It's time for Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, inviting the atheist, agnostic, and skeptic to examine for themselves the evidence for the Christian faith. We are all limited by what we do not know and by the things we think we know but are not true. Dr. Joe Mott earned his Ph.D. at LSU and was a distinguished math professor at Florida State University for 38 years, helping to write three math textbooks and authoring over 30 research articles in math. He is now the host of this radio program, Defending and Commending the Faith. Here is Joe Mott. Hello to everyone in the audience. Welcome to the program. The discussion today continues on the topic of discerning the will of God. Beyond all doubt, the decisive matter of living in the will of God is a topic of supreme importance. We have discussed the pagan way of discerning the will for their pagan gods. Quite often it is circumventing the mind or emptying the mind as in transcendental meditation. Rather than emptying the mind, the biblical way, according to Romans chapter 12, verse 2, goes directly through the mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What then is the promised result of Romans chapter 12, verse 2? The New King James Version says that you may prove what is that good and perfect will of God. Remember the Greek word for prove signifies to approve after a careful examination, to arrange and execute a test, and to accept and heed the results of a test. Thus it is by testing in order to approve so that you can discern the will of God. It is not by guessing without evidence, not by blindly throwing darts at a bullseye, hoping that chance will be in our favor. Rather, it is by testing the evidence, doing your due diligence, exhibit some sweat energy, putting effort into your scriptural homework. To be able to discern the will of God rests on two fundamental facts. First, the reality that God has a plan for his children. Second, the ability of God to communicate that plan to us. I quote three biblical passages that support the above two claims. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 records the words of the Lord. I know the plans I have for you, plans for your welfare and not calamity, to give you a future and a hope. This promise was directed originally to the nation of Israel. But given that God is no respecter of persons, I believe that can be applied to individual Christians as well. Second scripture. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the peoples of no effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. That's found in Psalms chapter 33, verses 10 and 11. Third scripture. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. That's in Psalm 32, verse 8. 
In their book, Decision Making and the Will of God, Gary Friesen with J. Robin Maxson lists three different aspects of God's will. His sovereign will, his moral will, and his individual will. The website, gotquestions.org, sees three different aspects of God's will. His sovereign, the creative will, his revealed perceptive will, and his dispositional will, which is his attitude. Obviously, there is considerable overlap between these two lists. Both lists have one aspect in common, the sovereign will. In my discussion of God's sovereign will and his revealed will, we will see that the revealed will encompasses Gary Friesen's moral will and individual will. So Friesen's list of three are encompassed by the first two aspects from the gotquestion.org list. Friesen defines God's moral will as determined by God's moral commands that are revealed in the Bible, teaching men how they ought to believe and live. God's individual will, Friesen defines as that ideal, detailed life plan which God has uniquely designed for each believer. He says, This guidance is given through the indwelling Holy Spirit, who progressively reveals God's life plan to the heart of the individual believer. God's sovereign will is revealed in his unchangeable decrees. Theologians call this his decretive will or his hidden will. It is decretive because it involves God's decrees. It is hidden because humans are usually unaware of this aspect of God's sovereign will until what he has decreed takes place. He decreed, for example, that there be light, and there was light. That's in Genesis 1, verse 3. Thus God's sovereign will can be defined as God's predetermined plan, which shows God to be the almighty ruler of the universe. When Ephesians 1, verse 11, describes God as the one who works all things according to the counsel of his will, it speaks of God's sovereign or decretive will. God himself expresses the fact of his sovereign will in Isaiah chapter 46, verse 10. My purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. Peter, in his sermon in Jerusalem after the day of Pentecost, referred to the crucifixion and resurrection in terms of God's sovereign will. Quotes, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it, end quotes. That's in Acts chapter 2, verses 23 and 24. God's revealed prescriptive will is next in line to be explicated. This facet of God's will includes that which God has chosen to reveal to us in the Bible. God's revealed will is contained in his precepts given to individuals in order that we may walk in holiness 
and develop godly character. So with that observation, we see that the revealed will encompasses Friesen's moral and individual will. God's precepts are plainly stated. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? That's in Micah chapter 6, verse 8. The revealed will of God is what he wants you to do or not do. For example, we know that it is God's revealed will that we speak the truth in love, repent and turn to God, and not to commit adultery or get drunk. God has revealed his will for the nation of Israel, and that is partially revealed in chapters 9 through 11 in the epistle to the Romans. Notice that you and I are not responsible for God's sovereign will. That is only up to God himself. But all Christians are, in fact, responsible for his revealed will for individuals. How do Christians find the revealed will of God? First, search the scriptures. If you want to know the will of God, it starts with the word of God. Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. The apostle Peter wrote, Putting aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, like newborn babies desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. That's in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. God has his prophets and apostles to expend much time and effort giving us his word. God did it for our benefit. However, he is not going to inject that information into us. If you want to know God, to understand him, and to live for him, we must read the instruction book, the Word of God. Colossians chapter 3 verse 16 says, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. When you were born as a baby, your mother got milk into your system. And if she had not done so, you would have weakened and soon died. Nothing flourishes and grows without nourishment. And today, in order to grow spiritually into a mature person of strength, you must have nourishment. And the source of that nourishment is the Word of God. The Bible is wonderfully conceived to afford both milk to the newborn and meat to the more advanced. God, in his infinite wisdom, designed the Bible capable of instructing the newest disciple while stimulating the most seasoned believer in Christ. Jesus said to God the Father, Your word is truth. And to his disciples, If you continue in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The Apostle Paul wrote, be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. And Paul also said, All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, 
for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. The psalmist said, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That's in Psalms 119, verse 105. I have not departed from your judgments, for you yourself have taught me. That's in Psalm 119, verse 102. The psalmist also said, More to be desired than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. That's in Psalm chapter 19, verses 10 and 11. Daniel 11, verse 32b informs us that the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. The Bible is valuable to you, so read it intentionally, pointedly, using a concordance regarding the issue that concerns you. Use your unaltered mind regarding those scriptures that you have isolated regarding your issue. Thus, we know God through his word, and we know his will through his word. Let me share a process I have used many times to discover God's will related to a certain topic that concerns me. I use a concordance to find scriptures concerning the topic and list in a notebook a cryptic summary of each scriptural passage. On another page, I note any action needed regarding each scriptural passage. I meditate several days on those scriptures until I begin to see the gist of what they say. From this, I interpret that I have found God's overall guidelines and the general direction of his will. This is what I mean about you doing your scriptural homework. Second, pray to know God's revealed will. The biblical idea of prayer is that it is inseparable from the scriptures. This is communion with God the Father, who has revealed himself in the Bible and in the persons of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. My spiritual growth is measured by my commitment to and practice of prayer. Prayer may be defined as talking with and listening to God. It's not a one-way conversation. You must listen to what he says. What he says will be consistent with his word. We talk to him with our vocal cords, and he talks to us through his will. It involves a two-way conversation. Spiritual maturity is unlikely without prayer. I will return to this discussion of how Christians can discover God's will in the next episode. In the meantime, let me remind you to exercise daily. Walk with God. Thank you for listening to Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, a production of Wave 94 Radio in Tallahassee, Florida. If you have any questions or comments for Joe, please forward them to Doug Apple at Wave 94 at this email address, dougapple at wave94.com. 
And be sure to join us every Monday evening at 6.45 p.m. on Wave 94 and subscribe through your favorite podcast app, Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott.